More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. This is Kelly, and thank you as always for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. You know, I'm really excited about a feature of the podcast that I've mentioned before, but I want to mention it again, and that is your ability to leave voice messages for the podcast. And I got one this past week that I want to share with you because it was such an encouragement to me. So we are going to hear a voice message from Christy Bragg, one of the listeners of the podcast. And uh, she's commenting on a podcast from several weeks back. And Christy just went to anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and left a voice message for the podcast. So let's hear from Christy. Hi, Kelly. I just want to thank you for continuing to um, talk about um, sexual abuse within the church um, and to really that you really do provide um, a sanctuary for survivors. Um, so um, just thank you so much for um, continuing to address the issues. My husband and I, we shouldn't have giggled, but we were like, oh my word, this is so true. The most recent one, that's why I was like, I'm going to message her and let her know um, about the same playbook for sex abuse as coronavirus because there were just so many different things that he and I just kind of looked at each other and we almost felt like it was deja vu for us. So anyhow, I am really, really appreciate it. I'm glad that my friend Katie told me about you and um, just praying for you and, and just the place that this is for us. Um, thank you again. Um, my name's Christy Bragg. All right, we'll talk to you later. I just want to say thank you so much to Christy. That was such an encouraging message. And I would love to hear from anybody who has something they want to say, feedback on the podcast or any comment that you'd like to make. You can do that at anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary. And I will link to that in the show notes so that you have an opportunity to follow that link and leave a message if you'd like. And if you do not want your message for some reason to be included in the podcast, you can go ahead and tell me in the message and I will not put it on the podcast so you can do that to just share a message with me and not necessarily to be on the podcast itself. Just let me know. But I would love to hear from you and I appreciate your encouraging words and also your feedback. You can let me know anything that you'd like to say or suggestions that you have maybe on some episodes that you'd like to hear about or information you'd like for me to share on the podcast. So again, it's anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and click on message. And it's just like leaving me a voicemail. I know nobody does that anymore. We kind of text, but uh, if you want to, that option is there. So I always like to just be completely honest about where I'm at 
And I feel like, you know, on this platform, it would be easy to just pretend like everything's fine and just to sound, you know, bright and chipper and cheerful and, and that everything's okay. But if, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I try to be upfront about the way that I'm feeling. And I just think it's the nature of this beast that we're talking about, sexual abuse. A lot of us are dealing with some emotional things and even physical things related to sexual abuse. And this past week, I have just felt some serious stress. And I know that the whole world is kind of under that stress right now with coronavirus and all the concerns related to that and the fact that we're quarantined at home for the most part. And a lot of us are just, you know, either we've lost work or we, we've lost the ability to stay in contact with people we care about or at least to see their faces in person. There are so many things that I could just go on and on about that we're all dealing with. So I get that that's where kind of some of the stress has come from. But there's also been a little bit of heaviness related to the effects of sexual abuse and just hearing from different people online and if you follow a lot of people who have been sexually abused or who fight against sexual abuse as advocates you probably run into something similar where we we kind of see people's pain out in the open a lot and that's because we need each other's support and I think it's an awesome thing that we can just kind of like go to a Facebook group like the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group and we can just be like hey guys I'm struggling today and I need some support and I need some help and here's what's happening with me. And I'm actually a part of several different groups like that online. And so this past week, there's just been this like heaviness of some of the more difficult aspects of dealing with surviving sexual abuse and kind of that question of, oh my goodness, like, does it ever get better? And I don't just mean better for other people, but for myself as well, because sometimes I'll have some internal struggles and admittedly life is super stressful right now. So it's hard to use this as like a measuring stick of life progress right now. So that's one thing I would encourage you if you're feeling just super, super triggered or emotional or stressed out or depressed or anxious, like any of those things, um, not to tell you to, to pretend it's not there because that doesn't help anything, but maybe don't use this present crisis as the measuring stick for how your life is doing as a whole because we are under some new stressors and we are under some stress that's just not normal. So I get that, but at the same time, acknowledging that that extra stress is there, there's still that feeling, kind of just a heaviness on my shoulders of, does this get better? And it's not fair, you know, surviving sexual abuse and kind of having to deal with the aftermath for months and months and years and years and decades on end. It gets to be a lot. And so just kind of that feeling of overwhelm has been with me this week. And Based on some things that I've been reading online from other people, I don't think it's a stretch to think that maybe some other people are going through something similar right now. And it's not hard to get discouraged in this battle with surviving sexual abuse, this battle with learning to thrive after abuse. There are stories in the news every single day that just remind us why this is such a struggle. And one of those stories this past week has been out of Cedarville University. And this caught my eye, not necessarily because it was a story about sexual abuse, but because Cedarville is in Ohio. And it's actually a university that quite a few of my relatives attended in their college years. And so I don't know if you saw the details, but someone was fired, a professor from Cedarville University, because he had a history of admitted sexual abuse. And the thing that 
I mean, I guess shouldn't surprise us at all because it's pretty much par for the course when it comes to sexual abuse in Christian institutions. His abuse was known beforehand, like before they hired him. And so the president of Cedarville University made this decision to go ahead and hire this professor. Um, he wasn't actually hired in a professor capacity. I'm going to link to the article because I'm not a journalist and you can get all the details that you need by checking out an article. But essentially, the president of Cedarville University, who is Dr. White, actually hired this man knowing that he had a history of abuse. And they hired him under that thing that churches love to hire people under, which is like this restorative plan. Like here, is our plan to restore this person who has proven that he's not qualified to be in Christian leadership. And so the president of the university, after a lot of pressure, actually had to come out and apologize for hiring this man in the first place. And I'm not going to get into all the details because, again, not a journalist. You can read articles. They've been online. You've probably seen something related to it. And if not, I'm going to link to this in the show notes. But you can see it's just another example of Christian institutions getting it wrong when it comes to sexual abuse. And then not only uh, have we kind of been dealing with all the stories coming out of Cedarville this week and related to this abuser that was hired, even though they knew his history, but in addition to that, we've kind of had to be re-traumatized with all the comments that probably well-meaning people, but people who don't understand abuse and don't understand abusers have been saying like these comments in support of him, essentially saying like, you know, we have to forgive. Like, what are you going to do? You can't just cancel everybody and you can't. No, I mean, I agree. You can't cancel everyone and everybody does, you know, bad things at some point in their life, but not everybody abuses other people sexually. And the problem with this and if you're a survivor of sexual abuse who spent any time, not necessarily researching, but just experiencing what the church does in relation to abuse, you understand the point is not that a person can't be restored after committing the sin of abuse. It's not that they can't be restored to Christ. It's not that they can't be restored to fellowship with believers. It is that they should not ever be restored to a place of leadership. And so... You know, that's just one more in a long line of these stories that we hear over and over and over again. And it was kind of just one of those things heavy on my shoulders this week. And it kind of just brought that question, like, like, how much are we going to have to deal with? And when does this all end? And when does it get better? And when do I start feeling victory over sexual abuse rather than this feeling that I'm always going to be struggling with these issues related to having been abused. And even some feelings of like, this is totally not fair and I wish I could just be normal. And you know, it's a struggle. And I feel like I just can be transparent with you guys about the fact that those struggles are there. And for me, they have been this past week. Um, not necessarily where I've let myself get bogged down with them and where I've just been defeated, but just that question is there. And as stress piles on top of stress, and I'll say again, I do think that other stressors are playing a big part in this. But having said that, there can sometimes be a feeling of hopelessness when you're trying to heal from sexual abuse, when you're trying to learn how to thrive after surviving sexual abuse, there can be a feeling of hopelessness. And with all the negativity happening in the world right now and the things that we're all struggling to deal with, I wanted to talk today not about that hopelessness because I feel like 
we talk about that hopelessness a lot because it's just one of the realities of sexual abuse. But today I actually wanted to talk about reasons that we actually have to hope after sexual abuse. Now, I want to be careful here because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or you know me well at all, you've probably heard me talk about the fact that sexual abuse is a struggle. And regardless of the fact that we can heal from it, you know, there are a lot of things about sexual abuse that some of us may be dealing with for the rest of our lives. So I always want to try to be careful and strike a balance, which is very difficult to do between admitting that yes, there's a big problem and admitting that it's an unfair struggle. And at the same time, believing that there is hope. And I think that right now in the state of mind that many of us are in, we need reasons to hope. So that's what I wanted to focus on, on today's podcast, because it's easy to get lost in those feelings of hopelessness. And right now, as we're all stressed, we can use a little bit of hope. So I wanted to give us some reasons to hope after sexual abuse. And again, just to be clear, to hope not in like the motivational speakery kind of way, speakery a word, uh, the way that says, you know, you just have to think positively and power through and pretend nothing's wrong until everything's great. And that's not the kind of hope that I'm referring to, but I'm referring to actual hope that we have in the aftermath of abuse and on that road to heal from sexual abuse and to begin to have victory in our lives over it. And as much as I believe there is pain and there is heartache and there are lifelong effects of abuse, as much as I believe that and know it to be true, I 100% believe that we have every reason to hope as well. And so that's the hope that I want to share with you on the podcast today. So I mentioned that this past week, there has been a little bit of a struggle with some effects of abuse, things that I struggle with kind of mentally and emotionally related to abuse that have been a little bit difficult. And it's kind of led me to this place of just maybe being angry at my own brain and being angry at how good our brains are when we're little children at learning to survive. And some of the ways that our brains learn to survive sexual abuse end up hurting us a little bit later in life. And I guess there's no reason to be angry at our brain. It's just doing its job. But sometimes it's frustrating. Things that I learned when I was six, seven, eight years old that have just been so deeply ingrained and it feels near impossible sometimes to unravel those unhealthy beliefs and those unhealthy coping mechanisms to the point where Sometimes it feels like my own brain can be an enemy. But there's a quote that I found, and I actually posted this several months back in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group that relates to changes in our brain related to trauma. And I wish I could attribute this quote to someone, but honestly, I found it on Pinterest and I have no idea who it's from, but it's so true. And that quote is, when it feels disheartening to learn that trauma changes the brain, remember that healing changes the brain too. And I think that's so important for us in looking for ways and reasons to hope after sexual abuse is that the same way that our brain was impacted by trauma, the same way that our brain learned from the horrible things that were done to us, the same way that it was impacted by those negative things and that trauma in our lives, it can also be impacted through our healing. 
if I were a scientist right now, I'd start talking about neuroplasticity, but I'm not one. And I definitely cannot even play one on a podcast because that is far above my pay grade. But I actually looked up I googled literally simple definition for neuroplasticity just so I could share that here on the podcast. And neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections throughout life. Neuroplasticity allows the neurons or nerve cells in the brain to compensate for injury and disease and to adjust their activities in response to new situations or to changes in their environment. And it might seem super nerdy, but that sentence or two right there actually gives me so much hope that I almost feel myself tearing up when I read it. And it's encouraging to me because we know the effects of trauma on the brain, especially if you're traumatized as a child. Those things teach your brain ways of coping, ways of dealing with things, ways of helping you survive that can end up just really sabotaging you later in life. And it's unfortunate because your brain's just doing its job, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, but it can end up kind of wreaking havoc on your life a little bit later. But it's awesome to know that the brain can actually reorganize itself and form new neural connections throughout life. So even though you may have had some faulty wiring as a child because your brain was trying to deal with the trauma that you went through, your brain is totally able to reorganize. Your brain is totally able to form new connections, new patterns, and new activities in response to new situations, which means that the same way your brain was impacted by trauma, it can be impacted by healing. And that's so encouraging to me. You're teaching your brain constantly new ways of being, new ways of thinking, new ways of operating, new ways of protecting you. And it's awesome to think that yes, this part of our brain that kind of sabotaged us when we were younger and kind of went a little haywire because of what happened to us trauma-wise, that same brain is able to reorganize and be impacted and molded and formed by healing just as it was by trauma. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty encouraging. And that is definitely, in my mind, a reason to hope after the trauma of sexual abuse. Another reason that I found to hope after abuse is related to something that's actually very difficult for a lot of survivors to deal with. And it's the fact that we feel powerless when we are abused. It's this lack of control that we have no control over our body. We have no control over our body's response. We have no control over what's happening to us. And you know, if you have been sexually abused or if you've studied it at all, that abuse is not about sex. It's about control. It's about power. And that powerlessness that the abused feels because someone else is trying to assert their power and control, that is something that causes so much trauma in our lives. That sense of powerlessness is so destructive. And that's one of the most difficult aspects of abuse for a lot of us to deal with, that sense of powerlessness and having no control over what happens to you or what happens to your body or how your body responds to abuse. And a lot of us actually will respond to that powerlessness in some unhealthy ways. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll say in my own life, it has caused this like need to control. 
and I think different trauma from my childhood. In addition to sexual abuse, there have been some more traumas in my childhood that have just created an anxiety that can only be eased by controlling certain things in my environment. And you never hear somebody say that a person is controlling in a nice way. <laughs> like if somebody tells you that you have issues with control or that you're a controlling person, it is definitely not a compliment. And so that's something that I dealt with throughout life. And, and I realize now one of my deep-seated reasons for needing to be in control is that feeling of powerlessness and I, the anxiety that it creates. So I understand where it comes from. And I'm able to recognize it more easily when it kind of rears its head in my life. But it's still not really like a fun issue to have. We didn't have control when we were abused. But here's the hope. Here's the reason that we have to hope. We may have been powerless when someone abused us. We may have had zero control. But right now in this moment, we are 100% in control of finding ways to heal from abuse. We couldn't control the fact that we were abused, but we can control how we choose to heal from abuse. As victims, we didn't get to decide. We didn't get to have a say in what happened to us. But right now in this moment, we do have a say. We have a say in how we find ways to heal. And that to me is super encouraging. That to me is really hopeful because... There is a sense of control associated with it. And there is a sense of taking back your power. When you realize, you know what? I had no choice back then, but I have a choice now. And I can choose to work toward healing. That doesn't mean that you can just choose to be healed. That You can just say, I'm totally fine. And I choose in this moment to be 100% great and never deal with anything related to sexual abuse again. That's not really how it works. But the fact that you have control over deciding to heal and going in that direction, no matter how hard it takes, no matter how bumpy the road is, no matter how nonlinear it is, to me, that is very encouraging. We didn't have control when we were abused, but we have complete control of finding ways to heal in this moment and here on out for the rest of our lives. And that to me is super encouraging. Another reason that I have found to hope is the fact that I am not alone. And that goes for you as well. You are not alone. We live in a time where people are more aware of and educated about sexual abuse than ever before in history. We live in a time where victims of abuse, survivors of abuse, are more connected than we have ever been at any point in history. I think it's an amazing time to be alive. And while sometimes, yes, it is not the greatest thing that we're so connected because as easily as we can find somebody who understands and identifies with our pain, we can also find somebody who is completely clueless and is leaving comments on a Facebook post that will trigger us and just make us feel terrible. So I get it, it's like this, there are two sides to every coin, but by and large, the feeling of not being alone, at least for knowing how many survivors are out there and how many people are working toward healing just like we are, never at any point in history have we been where we are now in that regard. And I definitely appreciate knowing 
that I'm not alone, knowing that, hey, I'm having this struggle related to abuse. And sure, there are some people online who are not going to understand it at all, but there are safe places that I can go and safe people that I can talk to, even people I've never met in person. And they're going to have my back. They're going to be like, hey, I'm sorry that happened to you. And I understand how you feel. And even if I don't understand how you feel, I'm here for you. And people are an encouragement and we're not alone. And that's pretty awesome. I know we can feel alone right now as we're quarantined in our homes and all we have is the internet, but it's quite a time to be a survivor of sexual abuse. And that's not to say that I'm trying to spin sexual abuse in any sort of positive manner, but I think back to like 20, 30 years ago when people were sexually abused and essentially, I mean, maybe some people were starting to talk about it, but it was by and large something that you did not really talk about. And if you did, you were in a very, very small group of people who are willing to go down that road. It just wasn't something that everybody on earth was talking about and tweeting about and Facebooking about every single day. And so I think it's pretty awesome that we live in a time where people are so much more aware of abuse. And even looking at that story I told you about Cedarville University at the beginning of the show, 10 years ago, I don't think we would have had this outcome. 10 years ago, I don't think the president of a university would have apologized for hiring a professor who he knew had sexually abused someone in his history. I don't think that we would have had that. And because of people being vocal and being willing to stick their necks out and being willing to demand change and and just speak out about the fact that they were abused and how institutions have been so wrong because of all those people, we're now in a time where people are feeling pressure. You know, this university felt pressure and it's sad. Yes, they should have made the right decision without getting pressure from the outside. Unfortunately, we're not quite there yet, but the fact that it's being acknowledged at all that they hired someone who was sexually abusive, knowing that they did and and then coming out and admitting that it's wrong, like the fact that that's happening at all is pretty amazing when you consider where we would have been 10 years ago. Do we have a long way to go? Yes, but it gives me hope that things are changing and not everybody is changing at the same pace and not everything is going to go exactly the way that we want it to go, but things are changing. And another reason that I think that we have to hope, and and it kind of makes me sad at the same time, but I spoke recently to a member of the Department of Homeland Security who's actually an investigator, and I was chatting with him about an abuser that I had reported and You know, it was so amazing to me that this person had been reported by Christian people to Christian institutions for years, and those institutions had essentially done nothing and have just basically been enabling this man to continue to abuse for years and years and years, even though it's known that he's done vile, disgusting things. And I was super discouraged by that. But when I talked to this investigator, I felt a hope that I haven't felt in a long time. And while it makes me sad that that hope isn't coming from people who profess to be Christians and people from within the church, it still gives me hope that there are people on planet Earth who have made it their mission in life to stop abuse. And people who understand the seriousness of abuse, who don't need you to have to like try and explain to them why it's so terrible that an abusive person is working with children, you know. Talking to him, and this happened sort of at the beginning of the coronavirus uh, deal and obviously not going to go into any details, but it was so encouraging to talk to that man. And he essentially 
reminded me that there are people in the world who care deeply about the fact that children are being abused. They care deeply about the fact that there are these people running all over with the freedom to abuse whenever they want. And my like 30, 40 minute phone conversation with this man gave me so much hope for bringing some of the most despicable abusers to justice. When people in the church won't do it, there are government officials and investigators and psychiatrists and psychologists and and people everywhere who are willing to stick their necks out and who are willing to go after these people that need to be brought to justice. And so while, yes, I wish that the church would step up and the church would take these things more seriously, it's such an encouragement to me and it gives me so much hope that there are people out there who are dedicating their lives to bringing pedophiles and child sexual abusers to justice. That gives me so much hope. It's easy for us to start to feel like people don't care when we're reading the stories like, you know, the ones out of Cedarville University, or I I could just, I could name so many. There are just just pick your poison. They're everywhere every single day. It's so easy to be discouraged and to feel like, you know, it's hopeless. This is never going to change and and people aren't going to fight for justice. It's just victims who are going to be fighting on their own. But to know that in this day and age, there are specific task forces set up just to bring down abusers of children. That's an amazing thought. And to me, that is so hopeful and I'm so grateful for it. So to recap reasons to hope after sexual abuse, the same way that your brain was impacted by trauma, it can be impacted by healing. And we didn't have control when we were abused, but we do have control of finding ways to heal. We are not alone. We live in a time where people are more aware of and educated about abuse than ever before, and we are more connected than ever before. So we don't have to fight this big, ugly monster alone. And I want to finish with one final reason to hope. And that is a reason that sometimes I feel like we might trade. We might trade this for having never been abused. Sometimes when you're super overwhelmed by all of the things that you deal with as a result of having been abused, maybe you would say, you know what, I'll, I'll trade this just for peace of mind. I'll trade this for having never been abused. But I think a lot of us wouldn't trade this. And that is the unique position that we are in to understand the pain of other people who are going through abuse. Part of me would love to be able to go back to six-year-old me and to be able to avoid being sexually abused. Part of me would love to be able to go back and change the times I was sexually abused in my life so that it never happened. Part of me is dying to know exactly what life would be like now if that hadn't happened. But the other part of me knows and doesn't want to let go of the fact that I am in a unique position. And as a survivor of sexual abuse, you are in a unique position to understand this pain and this suffering and the heart of the abused more than anybody else. And I'm not trying to romanticize sexual abuse. What happened to you sucks. What happened to you was wrong and it never should have happened. And it's horrible. But having gone through this type of abuse and having lived out the ramifications of this type of abuse, I feel like so many of us are in a position to be soft-hearted toward those who have been abused. And I got to tell you, when I see comments like some of the comments that I read on Facebook this week, just completely tactless, 
and non-empathetic comments related to people being triggered by abusers and situations where abuse wasn't handled properly. Like when I look at those clueless people, I feel like not for all the money in the world would I want to trade my knowledge for that ignorance. And ignorance, yes, is bliss to an extent. It would be bliss to not know the pain of sexual abuse. It would be bliss to not know all about trying to deal with all of these aspects of abuse that really suck. That would be blissful. But at this point in my life, I don't know that I would trade it for being in a position where I can understand and empathize when somebody else has suffered. And I don't know where you're at uh, in your spiritual life. I don't know if you're a churchgoer. I don't know if you are a Bible reader, if you're able to do anything like that. But there is a scripture that I am reminded of in talking about the position that we're in of understanding the pain of other people. And that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. It is one thing to be able to offer a lot of advice to somebody else about what they should be thinking or feeling or how they should be healing. And I see that advice handed out over and over and over again every single day, whether it's online or in person. People have always got advice for other people about how they can get through certain situations. But what not everybody has is the understanding of that experience, is the understanding of what it is to survive sexual abuse, the understanding of what it is to struggle on the path to healing. And it's not romantic, and it's not this super pretty thing that we can wrap up in a bow. And yes, not understanding would be so much easier, but part of me will be forever grateful that I do know this pain so that when I'm confronted with somebody who's in it, I'm not going to give them some cold, distant, motivational, speechy type advice on how to get through it. When you've been in that situation and you've gone through that pain, you're able to sit with other people in their pain. And that gives me hope as well. Because we are in a unique position. If you've survived sexual abuse, you are in a unique position to be able to empathize with other survivors, to be able to be there for survivors in a way that nobody else is going to be able to be there for them. So while the trade-off really sucks, and yes, it would be a lot easier if we just didn't know it at all, I find hope and I find comfort in the fact that my eyes have been opened to something that not everyone's eyes have been opened to, and there are opportunities to help people and be there for people because of that. So I just wanted to give you some reasons to hope. And I hope that I did that on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I hope that something that you heard gave you a sense of comfort and a sense of peace as well. And I would love to hear about reasons you have to hope in the aftermath of sexual abuse or anything that you'd like to add. So if you want to send me a voice message, you can do that at anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary or you can go to the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. If you're not a member, go ahead and join. And you do have to send a request to join and I will add you. I've added like 20 brand new members of Survivor Sanctuary in the last like week and a half. So pretty awesome. Our little group is growing and you can join us there. And let me know, what are your reasons to hope in the aftermath of sexual abuse? I'd love to hear from you on that. 
Well, before I bring today's podcast to a close, I want to tell you about something else that is pretty awesome related to Survivor Sanctuary on Anchor. And that is that if you go to anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, you can actually give to support the Survivor Sanctuary podcast. It's anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary. And there are three links. One says listen on Spotify, one says message, and the one in the middle says support. It's right under the description of Survivor Sanctuary. You can click on that and it's going to take you to a page that allows you to become a supporter of Survivor Sanctuary. You can make a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes of the podcast. It starts at 99 cents a month and goes up from there. But if you feel led or you want to be a part of keeping Survivor Sanctuary going strong, well, then you can make a donation and become a supporter of Survivor Sanctuary at anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary. Your donation will help us be able to continue bringing great content and adding some new content as well. Well, I want to thank you so much once again for letting me be a part of your day. And thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting and interacting on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. You guys are amazing. We've got such an awesome group of people and I appreciate each and every one of you. And I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.